What's up, podcast listeners? We're back. Another great episode of the Matt Baxter Show. I am hanging out with the man, Joshua Seiler. He's the CEO at Hiring Thing. And man, I just love talking with Josh because I feel like there's so many things that he's experienced as his you know, upbringing of, of being a founder and a CEO that I've learned from. So for example, we have very similar paths to the capital that we raise. We, we're both, both of our companies are backed by angel investors. We both happen to find our way in the, uh, the, the, the HR tech, HR landscaping uh, play. Hiring thing is what a, a phenomenal partner of Wedge. It's an applicant tracking system that is just really, really influencing companies and an amazing product and tool and even better people. And we've just really, really loved working with them. And I just love the approach that Joshua has taken as a leader, as a man, and as just an HR tech founder. So Josh, thank you so much for being a guest on this episode. I hope everybody enjoys this as much as I did. Josh, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. My pleasure, Matt. So I've, uh, I, I've lived a bit vicariously through you knowing the, the awesome, amazing company that you run and started, Hiring Thing, and I'm excited to hear about that journey. But before I, you know, we even get into that, I'd love just to hear the backstory and tell me a little bit more about your life. About my life, huh? Well, uh, I am a software engineer, and uh, I am kind of one of those guys who, first time he touched a computer, knew that's what he wanted to be doing. Um, so computers have always been a big focus for me and coding in particular. Um, I started doing data processing uh, right about the time when the internet started. I was working for a marketing agency then and pretty quickly it moved to building web apps. And so I was building web apps on WebSphere 1.0 and ASP 1.0 and Perl and CGI and all the old school tools right at the beginning. Uh, and uh, that's really the arc my career took. Um, so I uh, started a couple of businesses along the way, and one was a business intelligence company. I did spend a lot of time in marketing, helping folks with marketing automation, and uh, basically building some of the early software as a service kind of offerings uh, for companies. Uh, after doing that for a while, about 2012, I was the VP of technology in a company, and that's when I started hiring thing. <laughs> I love it. So, so when you first say you have a love for, uh, you know, computers, when you first, was that, you know, childhood sort of thing? Was that a college class, you know, high school class? What was sort of like the first moment? I mean, bring me back to that first moment that you can remember that you're like, yep, I love this. Well, I must've been six or seven years old and my father brought home this computer with a membrane keyboard. I can't remember the model, but I had a membrane keyboard and a cassette tape for a drive. And, you know, I printed my name on the screen in a loop filled the whole screen. I was like, wow, that was, a, that was pretty much the beginning. I spent hours on that thing. Uh, I remember also programming as a kid on an Atari 800 when uh, I didn't have a hard drive. I had a cassette for basic. So instead of a game, you put the basic cassette in. And then I would spend maybe eight hours writing a game or some kind of app, but I didn't have a way to save it. So once the dog tripped over the cord or Somehow the power got shut off. That was gone. I feel like, uh, so I feel like that fun. reference means that it actually happened. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> actually, it was a little pug dog come racing by and just trip over the cord, and that'd be the end of that coding session. <laughs> That's got to be like the most frustrating thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what I was missing, but uh, yeah, it definitely, you know, I knew it was going away eventually. No hard drive, right? Yeah, of course. So literally the uh, the save button in any video game ever was like your your, your holy grail sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, that was a new thing back then, right? Uh, hard drives were optional. 
That's awesome. So um, when you like, when you first got into this, obviously you mentioned you, you, you know, you would code something to write up a game or something like that within eight hours. Is this sort of one of those things that like your mind just, once you start going down the path, you just kind of recognize that like, that was the only thing you were focused on. You sort of got in the flow state. I mean, walk me through that. Was this just naturally where you defaulted kind of where you felt at peace? Yeah, you know, flow state has a lot to do with it. I've come to recognize is uh, just getting in that zone and being there is a really attractive part of it. Uh, but also just being in control. You know, I really like that you can tell a computer what to do and it does it. And if you tell it to do something wrong, it'll do it wrong. And anytime there's a bug in a program, it's, you know, because you put it there. Uh, those kinds of things are uh, interesting puzzles to figure out for me. When did you first realize that you could actually be a creator of something uh when, when writing code, maybe I was a kid or obviously in first couple like jobs and gigs, when did you realize like you can actually create something like you personally? Um, you know, I think I always had that as a goal. I, I come from a family of entrepreneurs and building things from nothing was always kind of in our DNA, something we talked about as a family. Uh, and so I remember first time I, you know, bought a commercial software program. I thought, you know, I could probably make something like this. Maybe that's what I should do. Uh, and, you know, it was kind of always in my mind that the day might come that 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 would be the right time for me. And, uh, you know, I did do it a couple times here and there and on smaller scale. But I think with hiring thing, it's really been, you know, kind of that dream company that I always wanted to embark on. I love that. Um, before we dive into hiring thing, I want to ask. So you so you you. Uh, dropped about, you know, diving into like a marketing position or a marketing role. So what was mm -hmm. the transition from kind of defaulting towards, like, I, I guess I can draw a little bit of the conclusion, but I'd love to hear kind of your thoughts of how you went from, you know, uh, writing code as, as a young kid or, or diving deeply into that and having your dog trip over to court sort of thing to all of a sudden <laughs> you, you, you find yourself in, you know, a, a marketing type role. Walk me through kind of that transition or the first step, or was that just happening sure. to your job or how'd that, how'd that come to be? Yeah, so, uh, you know, one of my first jobs with a computer, and I was like, hey, someone's going to pay me to sit in front of a computer. Amazing. <laughs> I said, uh, process long, so I don't yeah. know if I'm worth paying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was processing uh, mailing databases. So it was for a direct mail company. Uh, and, you know, they got these eight-track tapes full of names. And we'd have to spin up the reels and put the tapes into the computer and then deduplicate them, standardize the addresses and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so I started out doing that. Uh, and uh, pretty quickly as the agency evolved with the internet, it became pretty clear that there's a lot more opportunity with the internet and marketing. And so that's where, you know, we were building some of the first marketing automation tools um, that, that were out there with direct response websites, things we take for granted today, but were brand new back then. Can I ask a kind of funny, weird question? What is, um, what is your definition of marketing? And not necessarily like one liner, but like, when, when you when you bring in the marketing people of your team or have been brought in or you know worked for a marketing company what is what what does that mean to you oh that's a pretty big question uh, yeah, know. you know you, I was saddle up with a, with a with a scotch in front of you and <laughs> <laughs> yeah I uh, you know a lot of my work in the past and I spent you know 15 years advising technology companies on how to do marketing was a lot of ROI based direct response kind of marketing where you paid a dollar to get a lead and you look you did the analysis to see how many sales you got per marketing dollar um, you know sometimes for marketing are different and they're more about brand awareness um, thought leadership uh, 
Uh, and so, uh, you know, it's a pretty broad swath of what marketing is exactly. You know, at the end of the day, it's about letting people know about your company and what you offer and getting them to engage with you. Um, without marketing, it's really hard to get your name out there. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, it's one of those, like, you know, just being relatively active on LinkedIn and just following what a lot of people identify marketing as. I mean, it's such a broad range and I feel like sometimes it's perfectly defined and sometimes it's so like, I, I, you, you know, you see times and I've probably made the mistake of, of wrapping in PR to marketing, wrapping in ads to marketing, wrapping, um, you know, sales email automation to marketing, wrapping in social media, some of those, all of which boil all back down to marketing and some of which have very different paths and true marketing. And so, yeah. it's just been, I mean, number one is our organization grows, but also just like kind of following the trends. I think yeah. a lot of what I see is a lot of like, I mean, even college students I interact with will say, you know, I want to go into marketing, you know, let me manage your social media sort of thing. And it's like, that's one piece of it, not all of it. And I, I've had to learn that myself because I certainly am not a marketer by trade in any way, shape or form. So it's just been fascinating to follow that trend. Yeah, I had a meeting with my marketing team earlier this week and we talked about PR and website and marketing automation and database and social media and all of it uh, is it's a big umbrella. I love that. So when you're like, if you're, you know, uh, sitting, uh, I don't know, on a beach with a perfect, you know, uh, drink in your hand sort of thing, and your mind just starts to wander, would you say you default towards marketing brain? Or would you say you default default towards wanting to write software brain, or maybe a third one we haven't touched on? Definitely the technology side. Uh, that's really always been my passion. And, and it's frankly why I enjoy building hiring thing. Uh, it's about making great technology. Uh, that's uh, a passion of mine and, and really molds the company that we are today. I love that. Um, so diving into the, uh, diving into the hiring thing world, what got you into HR technology? Because it is such a fascinating, wild, crazy, unique field. Um, so what, uh, what, what was the, uh, initial step into that? We'll start there. What was the initial kind of step into hiring thing? Sure. Well, I'm certainly not an HR guy, and I never had much experience with HR beyond my own management tasks. You're talking about uh, a guy what... who came from a landscaping company to a video interviewing company, so you're in good company. Okay, there we go. You know what I'm talking about then. <laughs> um, but, you know, as so often is the case with startups, I was scratching my own itch, uh, and I was trying to hire engineers for the agency I worked for because we were building these SaaS marketing apps. And I would get an email full of resume documents from an admin twice a week. And like there'd be a hundred documents in this Outlook as Outlook attachments. And I'd have to manually go through each one. And it was maddening. Could not stand doing it. Um, and of course, when you've got a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So as a software engineer, I'm, hmm, there's probably a better way. And so we started working on an internal tool to help us with hiring at the agency. Uh, at the time, it was Ruby one point something, or it was really early on in the Rails, uh, the Rails development. I don't know if you know Ruby on Rails. It's the framework we used. I am. Um, um, I, I so I've gotten to the point where when our CTO who built the product. So I'm not only not HR, I'm not tech whatsoever. So when our CTO gets going, I can subtly understand briefly what language may be spoken. And then I kind of let him dummy it down, way dummy it down for me. Uh, so, so I, 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 
know the term expert absolutely not <laughs> won't try to pretend <laughs> to be either okay <laughs> well yeah we uh, R- rails is on version six or something now um i think this was this was a very early version we started on but we started building an internal tool and we had an online application form and people could apply and you could look at your applicants and it was all really easy to use um you know previously we had gone and looked hey there's got to be some software for this well, what we found was kind of some hard to use, expensive enterprise solutions, kind of call us for pricing kind of thing where it was expensive and difficult and really designed for HR professionals. We needed something that was easy to use and um, you know inexpensive and uh, fit our profile. Um, and so that's where we saw an opportunity. Um, and I worked on that for about two years, just as an internal tool. Uh, before one day it was like, well, hmm, this looks like something that other companies could use. Isn't that interesting? Uh, and that's about the time we made the decision to get some beta customers and raise some funding and spin off the company. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll go through uh, the, the entrepreneur path in a, in a second, but before we dive down that, um, I, like what would you say in that whole process was the first time you realized like you were onto something that not only, not only was a beneficial tool for your own internal organization or it kind of for internal use, but now was it, was it the moment somebody was like, I'll pay you money? Was it the moment somebody said, oh, I've got that same exact headache too? Or I guess, how did you initially realize that there was a problem and you've got an itch you could scratch? Uh, well, it started with just my problem of how do I sort through all these resumes? Right, right sure. Yeah, and uh, I've like I said, I've always been pretty entrepreneurial. So the, min- the first line of code I wrote, I thought, well, let's build this like we're just going to be a product we'll sell to other people. And so, you know, I built it for one company, but it had multiple company companies built into the database from day one, um, even though it was kind of a slow go. Because, I, you know, I had a full-time job. We were running an agency. We had a lot of code to ship outside of this. So it was kind of a side project thing that got a little attention here and there. Um, I think, you know, the time, the time that really told me that it might happen is uh is when I emailed a local Sherm list and I said, hey, we've got a Sherm is the, um, you know, the HR management group. Yep. I'm sure you're familiar with them. <laughs> um, so I emailed the local Sherm chapter and I said, hey, we've got this applicant tracking tool designed for small medium businesses and it's working pretty well for us. Uh, does anyone want to give it a try? And just offered it for free out there. <laughs> it's uh, a great compelling pitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we got about 10 companies that agreed to try it out. Uh, uh, yeah. Hi. Nice to see you. <laughs> and so, yeah. So, you know, when we did go to pitch investors, we had, you know, a dozen or so beta customers actively using the software for their hiring needs, which really helped us in that in that time. Um, so, obviously, I, I may ask a couple investor-related conversations. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, any anything anything that I'm not allowed to ask, please tell me. But uh-huh. um, when when you first, so I guess what when was this? Like, how long ago was this when you basically first uh, the beta test stage? I was 2011. Okay, so 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, by the way, 10 years. That's amazing. <laughs> it, it is amazing, even to myself. <laughs> 
uh, I sometimes we've uh, we're crossing the idea in a napkin was July 1, 2015. So we're almost at six years. And I've kind of oh, wow. wondering what on earth have I been doing with my life this whole time? Um, but uh, that sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> so when you when you first pitched to investors, was software as a service something that was like a thing known? Was it a, you know, you early stage VC flout to Silicon Valley or kind of walk me through that process? Uh, it was just the beginning of uh, software as a service. You know, people were talking about cloud enabling things in general. Uh, I think not many HR services were, you know, cloud enabled at that time. Uh, but we had been hosting applications uh, in the marketing agency as part of our business there because we had a SaaS offering. Uh, and so I was able, I had a lot of experience with that, hosting applications for folks and managing the servers and the infrastructure. Uh, so that helped quite a bit, um, but it definitely was something new. People were still buying software to install on their own servers. That was still a thing or run on their own desktop. Um, that was still more common ways to buy software. Um, so it was, a, you know, right place, right time. That's amazing. And uh, obviously, uh, hope to, hopefully not asking anything that you're not comfortable with. Were, did you go VC or angel route when you first started? Uh, we're 100% angel funded. Amazing. That's yeah. awesome. Um, so when you, when you first, you know, when you first got, uh, you went through the, went through the funding stage and first, was that basically to say, okay, now we've got a beta test. We've got customers that like it. Now it's time to scale or we need to expand the product offering or there's a path to monetization. I mean, kind of what at the time and knowing what you know now, would you have done it any, any differently at those early stages? I mean, you guys, yeah, I mean, it was really, we, we had a lot of work to do sure. um, despite the fact that we had, you know, some successful beta customers, we didn't have a way to take any money. You know, we didn't have a credit card pipeline or any of that kind of stuff. Um, so we knew we needed to build that. Uh, and then we needed to, you know, start scaling. I, it took a while to build all that. I think our first year we made $22,000 or something, total revenue. Been there. <laughs> and I was thrilled, you know, I'm like, oh, oh yeah, <laughs> wow, <laughs> someone's paying me 50 bucks a month. You know, that was amazing. <laughs> and, then, and then you're biting the bulletin. I got a, I got an expense that's $100 a month. Ugh. Oh, gosh, I can't afford it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Gee, there's two customers. Where are we going to get those? <laughs> <laughs> somebody once, somebody, somebody t said to me, like, probably two or three years ago, like, man, probably HubSpot, you know, the, the CRM spending 200 bucks a month is going to sound like a lot of money to you today. And at the time it was like, oh, this hurts. And you're going to get to a point where you're going to be spending, you know, X number of thousands of dollars of different, you know, a month on different software tools to keep the business afloat. And we're now there, we're there now. And it's like, man, that still hurts, but it's funny. Like just, you just go through different cycles of it, which is just crazy. I mean, it's humbling, but it's also so fun. The, the, the early, early stage and we're, we're smack dab right in it, but it's, just the early stage of things is so fun, wild, crazy. It is radically different. I mean, you know, <laughs> some of our customers are uh, much bigger than I ever thought they'd be. And some of our expenses are much bigger than I ever thought they'd be. <laughs> the joys of both. The joys of mm -hmm. both. Um, so uh, you have been in the HR tech space um, for a decade now. Mm -hmm. It seems like, and I'm no, I'm no expert, but it seems like there's in at least the last recent years, an acceleration of money being poured into the space, of attention being put into the space, of new companies entering the space. And even pre-COVID, that was true, but obviously, especially with COVID. What have you seen, I guess, from your perspective, what's changed? When did that actually happen? Is it the last three years? Was it happening 10 years ago? I mean, kind of walk me through your, your, your perspective on the, the industry. 
Uh, well, so I've been looking at five-year projections for HR technology spending since 2012, and they're always very optimistic. Uh, and, you know, since the very beginning, I've had private equity folks and HR folks tell me, or uh, not private equity and VC folks, tell me that they've allocated a certain percentage of their portfolios to the HR technology space. Hmm. Uh, and, you know, they do what they do is a lot of a macro analysis. So they'll break the industry up into different targets and then they'll find the ones that are growing the most quickly and then actively seek out investments in the areas that look to have the best growth rate. So I think it's, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps, but I think that uh, a lot of optimistic projections about the move to online software for HR has caused venture capital and private equity to put more money into HR tech. And that in turn has lifted the prospects for the industry as a whole. Yeah, it's, um, it's so true. And it's been interesting. Uh, just our little, little, little tiny perspective of obviously COVID has drastically changed video and not just us, but many other video providers. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just been fascinating how that's also accelerated change in the HR tech space. And the, 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 VC or PE companies that I've talked to in the last year. So we, we just closed a funding round. And by the time this gets published, we'll congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, been through the joys of uh, uh, 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. being awake, you know, sorting out all the funds sort of thing. So mm -hmm. been, been through the ringer and uh, wouldn't, wouldn't change anything for the world, but I've definitely <laughs> had some fun with that. But um, it's interesting, the, the PE or VC groups that I've talked to uh, post-COVID have either been saying, we're not doing any other investments because we're doing with our portfolio companies, keeping everybody afloat, so be it. Or they've like accelerated how much money they're pumping into HR tech from at least, or specifically, like obviously video in some regards, but also mm -hmm. it just seems like there's so much going into the space, which is awesome and cool for disruption and a lot of amazing things happening. And mm -hmm. it'll be fascinating to follow the... Uh, basically the roll-ups that are probably going to start happening as well too. But yeah, I, I appreciate your perspective on that. Yeah. The new remote world, it just requires software to manage. You can't manage people by calling them into a meeting, into an office or handing them an envelope anymore. It just doesn't work. And so I think it's really standardizing the need for these kinds of tools. Out of your entire career of being a software engineer and then also a marketer, what has been like probably your greatest creation? My greatest creation? Uh, well, hiring thing, of course. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, no, like ser <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, though, I, uh, it's a dream for me to be able to work on the same thing for 10 years, yeah. uh, you know, and see it improve incrementally day after day. It's just been, been a really incredible journey. It's honestly what I've always wanted to do. You know, when I fought that first first DOS disk that I somebody sold me for 10 bucks. And I said, Oh, people sell software. I could do that. Like that's uh that's definitely fulfilling for me. That's amazing. Um, what's uh, what would be if you, if you had all the money in the world and you could do anything you wanted to, if you could go spend time creating something else, building something else, working on something else, just as a fun side hustle, kind of like maybe not hiring thing. Cause you're actually solving a problem, but like, yeah, you know, would you, would you spend your time on anything like major futuristic or major problems that you could solve? Is there anything that you would, you know, allocate time towards or, you know, keeps you up at night because you're excited about it? <laughs> you know, I always have a handful of next startups in the back of my head that I'm, you know, mulling on and thinking about and, 
you know, ready to go do it at a moment's notice. Although, you know, I've got to stay focused. Um, <laughs> lately, I've been really intrigued by the idea of software-enabled vertical farming. I don't know oh, if you're familiar gosh, with that, that, but vertical farming is, you know, high-tech, high-density farming operations that rely on sophisticated hardware to optimize yields. Uh, I think that would be a really interesting problem, and I bet I could build some pretty awesome hardware and software to solve that. Whenever you're ready to chat offline about that, I've got. Um, we've got <laughs> it sounds fun, doesn't it? Farmland, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's the next partnership we announce. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> love that. I love that. So, um, kind of one one question, like from what I can tell, and from the interactions we've had as a partner, uh, well respected team loves you, well respected in the industry. I guess how have you, obviously with a lot of success, but as you've just kept building different things and being a part of different companies, how have you kind of kept a level head? And, and, you know, I guess what's your, uh, what's your leadership advice, uh, of, 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 you know, not only have you been a successful, uh, software engineer, which is obviously one challenge in and of itself, but you've also been able to lead and build a company, which is wildly different. And so how, how have you gone about doing that? How, you know, what's, what's kind of been the, 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 the secret sauce that you're comfortable sharing, obviously of, of just being a leader. Yeah, well, uh, that's another big question. Yeah, I know. Keeping um, it easy tonight. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, certainly there's uh, some core values uh, that I think draw through everything we do. And, you know, I don't need to read you a list of the hiring thing, corporate values, but a couple stand out to me. Um, you know, one of which is just technical excellence. I think that having an engineer and a product manager as a CEO sets a tone for a company. And, you know, some companies are led by sales and marketing folks. And I think that they have a different tone and set of values than someone that's led by an engineer. So I think because of where I come from, that's very much part of our value system is, hey, let's make this software great. Let's make it a great platform. Let's have great APIs. Let's make user interactions as good as we can. Let's make sure that all that stuff is really great. Um, so that's been an important for us is having that value. And I don't think the value for everybody is going to be technical excellence, right? It's going to, but it's going to be something that you want to hang your hat on and make sure you keep reinforcing that. The other thing that's maybe more general is transparency is one of our values. And, uh, you know, we have tried really hard to make sure that we're a hundred percent transparent or as transparent as we can be. Obviously you can't always share everything, but with our partners and with our employees, uh, you know, every year at our employee meeting, I, log into our bank account and show everyone our cash balance. And, you know, we go through all of our financials uh, monthly with the whole company. Uh, and that's something that I think makes people feel like they're part of what's going on and makes them feel empowered to make better decisions because they know that they've got all the information. Have you always done that? Uh, at hiring thing. Uh, yeah. I love that. I'm, uh, uh, not something I have done, but inspired by that, actually. Yeah. Hey, next time you have a team meeting, log into your company bank account and show them the number. They, <laughs> I love people, that. people like that. How does that change? Well, this is an interesting, how does that change? Uh, with, does that change anything at all with funding? Oh, not really. I mean, we're pretty clear about what funding we get. Okay. Yeah. And no, that's, that was my only, my, like, We've been, um, 
I just, I guess, full transparency, I've been pr- mm-hmm. pretty open with our team about like revenue growth and here's the exact money we're taking in and expense, you know, uh, obviously working towards all that. But then the, the yeah. only dynamic I haven't quite known how to balance is like funding, especially when you start talking about, rel- not huge, you know, we're not talking about billions of dollars, but when you start talking about, you know, in the, in the millions of funding, you know, how does that dynamic work? And the moment you cash a funding check, that doesn't necessarily mean everybody gets bonuses sort of thing. And so, yeah, that's, yeah, no, that, that is a, that is a challenge. And, you know, it, hiring thing has raised $5.5 million in multiple rounds. So, Congratulations. you know, we've been through that multiple times and we, you know, we come back and say, Hey guys, we closed two mil. Congratulations. We're going to get to do more stuff now. Uh, and we've done that multiple times and it hasn't been too much of a problem. And since last year, we're now a profitable company which is, you know, we were previously on that whole burn investor money for growth kind of plan. And um, since COVID, we decided to take a little more conservative view and we always had a valid business model. So it's just a matter of, okay, you know, let's get to profitability and stay there. And so we have been, um, and we're transparent about that too. Every month we say, hey, look, here's how much money we put into the bank account this month. Here's how much we spent. This gives us room to make additional hires, make additional investments, you know, let's let's talk about how we use this funding for growth. That's really always been the discussion. It's like, okay, we have some money. Let's spend it together to grow the company. Um, you know, I, I think the other thing that we do that helps with some of those discussions on, you know, how it affects people personally um, is that we, all our salaries are standardized based on industry averages for every role. And we have standardized roles and standardized salaries. Uh, and then we have an equity program. So, Employees know that, you know, we're paying them fairly for their role. And as the company grows and is more successful, they'll be successful too. Love that. That's so cool. And I, uh, it, kind of similar realms of dollar amounts, uh, we're, we're kind of going through the same thing. Of, and that's just what I've been trying to balance of like, obviously it's an exciting, it's an announcement that's out there. So it's not gonna be any surprise to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something I've, I'm fully transparent with our team about, Hey, investor came in or didn't come in and maybe not necessarily sharing specific names, but saying, you know, Hey, you know, here, here's where we're at. And so I like to be transparent about that, but no, I really like the, uh, the bank account concept. That's uh that's a way to number one, make sure everybody's comfortable with the company. And number two, you know, like you said, full transparency. So that's awesome. Well, we've had some folks join who, you know, previous company, they never knew what was going on. And one day the company ran out of money. No one saw it coming. And, you know, if we're going to run out of money, everyone in our company is going to see it coming from a mile away. <laughs> they're going to they're going to they're going to know exactly where you're at. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so everybody's biting their teeth together. thing, <laughs> Right. <laughs> Which obviously, of course, we hope never happens. But mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I love that. So, um, Josh, my uh, my favorite question on the planet is uh, what gets you out of bed in the morning? And, and, and part of the reason is that the whole show and not to be gimmicky, but the whole show is around kind of purpose, passion and calling. And one of my favorite things is to interview such a wide range of people. And I hope somebody at some point in time can listen to any of the episodes and say, if that person, if that guy or girl can do it, then I can sort of thing. And so I love kind of asking the question out of, uh, at the end of the day, what is it that gets you out of bed in the morning? Because, you know, you realize that success or money or any of that, sure, may be fun at the time, but there's got to be something deeper driving that. And I, I've always just loved hearing from such a wide range of people and obviously, you know, just in this interaction, I respect the hell out of you. So I'd love to kind of hear this, your, your perspective on that. Sure. Well, I, you know, there's a lot of ways I could answer it. I mean, you know, like I said, I love to sit down and write some code sometimes, although I didn't get to do that very often as CEO these days. Um, you know, I, I've always considered myself or at least wanted to be a good entrepreneur. 
And the best definition of entrepreneur I've heard is someone who takes unallocated capital and unallocated labor and combines them to make something that's worth more than the two individually. Um, and so I like the, the idea that I'm taking capital from investors and making it worth more to them. I'm taking labor from folks that want jobs and I'm giving them the opportunity to turn that into value for themselves and their families. Uh, and that, that feels really good to me. Um, you know, I like the fact that I'm creating value for investors and creating jobs and opportunities for employees and making something that's participating in the economy with positive effect. That's awesome. I love that. Um, we had our, uh, you know, we're small team and we had some team members in the office for the first time a couple of weeks ago. And we, we were actually, uh, have gotten office space now, which has been a lot of fun. And there, oh, I, nice. I had my, I had my brief little moment of like, this is cool. This is fun. And like building a team and just people laughing together and people do, uh, there's just something special about it. So I, I mean, obviously you guys have done it on a much bigger scale than we have, but it, there's just, there's nothing like providing jobs for people, whether it's investor backed or, you know, bootstrap mm -hmm. or whatever it is, but that's just a cool feeling. And especially being in the space where we obviously literally help people get jobs is cool too. <laughs> so. Definitely doubles down on it. Well, we've never had an office, so you, you got me there. Um, well, everything's been remote since day one. So, um, that's certainly something that, uh, that's fun and we don't do, although we do an annual meeting where we, well, we used to pre COVID times, we'll get sure, to it again, right. but you know, we like to fly everyone out to a fun location and spend a week together once a year. And I'm looking forward to being able to do that again once uh, once we all start traveling again. Yeah, that's all. I mean, there's just a different energy with that, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, so, Josh, is for anybody who uh, wants to either reach out, learn more about hiring thing, learn follow you along, what's the best way either to you know get get in touch with the company or uh, follow along with what you're doing? Uh, yeah, we can visit our website, hiringthing.com, and check it out. If you're interested in seeing the software, please, you know, fill out the form, ask for a trial. Uh, also, anyone can email me directly. My email address is joshuas at hiringthing.com, uh, and I'd love to hear from anybody. So if you got something to ask, you know, send me an email. If you're trying to sell me something, I might not reply, but <laughs> give it a shot. Definitely not selling them video interviewing. Don't even try. <laughs> I love it. Well, Josh, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. This has been awesome. All right. Great. It was great to chat with you today, Matt. Thanks for your time. You just listened to an amazing episode on the Matt Baxter Show. It had nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the guests that I have and the stories that we get to tell and the smack talking we get to have. So if you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes that you've listened to, feel free to su subscribe on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcast. Check us out at themattbaxtershow.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Matt C. Baxter, Twitter, or Facebook as well, too. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, whether it's through an email on the website or whether it's through any of the social platforms. I do my best to get back to people as soon as I can. But thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoy. Feel free to send feedback in any way. And don't be afraid to share the Matt Baxter Show. We're very excited to have you as a listener and hope you continue to listen as well. Thanks a ton. Bye-bye.